But welcome, we're really glad you're here if you're joining us on Zoom. Thank you for being here. A high school uh, counselor asked one uh, a student that was getting ready to graduate, uh, what, did he, what is it that you want to do? What's your plans? And the student said, well, I'd like to graduate. Well, the counselor said, well, what do you want to do after that? He said, well, you know, maybe, you know, go to college, something like that. Well, what then? Well, graduate from college and get a job. Well, what then? Well, maybe, maybe get married. What then? Well, have a family maybe. Well, what's after that? Well, I'd like to see the family grow and, you know, and be successful. What after that? Well, I'd like to retire. What then? Silence. See, the student didn't have any really long-term goals, the, the important goals that really matter. And what the student did understand is that life is full of changes. And he could see those challenges, changes coming, but they were just seen as, as steps, you know, steps going through life. And he recognized all those steps, and they were big steps at times, but really nothing else. Living life presents change after change after change. And each one of those changes produces its own challenges. And unlike this student, we need to have an eternal perspective. As Paul did in Philippians 1 verse 21, writing to the Philippians, he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everything for him was focused on Christ and how he could live for Christ and, and do, do what he was commanded to do as far as spreading the gospel and strengthening the churches. He goes on and explains how you know, he would love to, to die and go be with, be with the Lord. But he realized that it was important for the church and what he was sent to do, that they needed him, that he would still need to be here and continue his work. And he, he said he was in this, uh, between this rock and this hard place of, of trying to figure out what was better, what he needed to do. He knew what was better, but he realized that the church needed him. But he says in verse 27, as he's encouraging them, he says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Van gave us a lesson uh, not, not very long ago where he talked about this, this steadfastness that we need in our life and how important that is. That means that we're stationary, that we're, that we're not movable. But unfortunately, these changes come in our life, and sometimes they come with great challenge, and what they do is they move us. They move us from that steadfastness, and, and that can be a challenge to our faith and hard for us to deal with. But there's a time for all these things, all these changes and these different stages in life, there's a time for. Ecclesiastes 3 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. There's a time for us to be born, there's a time for us to die. And what happens between that very short period of time, whatever it is, it's short, will determine eternity. Galatians 6 and verse 7 says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
For he who sows of the flesh will the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary while doing good. For in due season, if we reap, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Make no mistake, we reap what we sow. And as we go through these different stages in life and we reach these different challenges, how we respond to those is going to determine how our life goes. If I plant cotton, I'm going to get cotton. If I plant corn, I'm going to get corn. If I sow to the flesh, it's going to be corruption. Corruption means decay to ruin. You know, when I think of that, I think of a banana. I like bananas when they're still nice and yellow, a little green to them. They start turning brown. I am not interested. That's gross. And that's what I think of when I see that decay to ruin. Mushy and no good. That's what happens to our life when we sow to the flesh. Decay to ruin. But if we sow to the Spirit, then it is life everlasting. 1 Peter, the first chapter, talks about these, these trials that we go through. And the previous verses before this talks about the hope that we have in Christ because of His resurrection. Because of that resurrection, we have a future resurrection for us that we can look forward to. We're going to be given a body that's made to live forever in heaven. And we're going to, in that day, in that trumpet sounds, we're going to make Christ in the air. That's something we can get excited about and look forward to. And that's the hope that he's talking about. And then he says, In this, in this hope, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So our faith is going to be tried. There's going to be difficulties in life. If you're not in a challenge right now, you probably just got out of one or there's one, there's one coming. Because they're all, we all have to, have to deal with those things. But in this, we rejoice in that hope that it says, though now for a little while, some things that we know about challenges and difficulties through life is there for a short period of time. If need be. There's also purposes for those challenges. You have been grieved. Those challenges cause distress. They're hard. By various trials, they come in different ways, they come in different times in our life, and they come in different forms. But they're coming. And it's going to try our faith. And there's a purpose for that. We can't have strong faith if it's not tried. So those things are going to happen as we go through this life. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your steps. Here's the key as we go through these challenges, and it's not something that's easy, easily done, and not something that I have always done or always do, but just trust in the Lord with all your heart, with everything, and lean not on your understanding. See, that's where I mess up. I start leaning on my own understanding. I've got to figure this, all this out. This is all on me. And I've made a wreck of things, and what am I going to do? And uh, I think this way is better than, than what I know better 
from God's Word. And that's going to get me in trouble every time. But what I need to do in verse 6, in all my ways acknowledge Him. In every day, in every way, acknowledge Him. Know that He is God. Know that He is in control. Know that He loves us. And if that guides my directions, that guides my decisions, that guides what I say and do, He will direct my paths. 1 John, the second chapter, says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The closer we get to the world, the further we are from our Heavenly Father, and vice versa. We need to cling to Him, cling to His Word, to help us through these challenges that come with the changes in our life. So as we go about this lesson this morning, I want to look at the different stages in life that this young man that we talked about at the beginning knew were coming. If God gave him the time to go through life, he's going to reach these different stages in life and the different challenges that come with those, uh, those changes. None of these are going to be a comprehensive lesson, as you know. Uh, each one of these could be a, a full sermon uh, and has been. And, and Lord willing, we'll be in the future uh, as we continue to teach on these things as a church. But I'd like to briefly look at those things, and I want you to think about the stage of life that you're in, the challenges that you face, and the ones that are coming if you're not there yet. Because the important thing is we prepare for those things. Because each is challenging, and each is faith-building, and prepares us for the next one that's coming. We're going to start with young people. Young people, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1 says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When you're young, you have more energy than you're ever going to have. Your, your mind is as sharp as it's ever going to be. And it's a great opportunity for you to grow in habits that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. It's a great opportunity to, to, for you to have great influence on the people that are around you. You have great influence and you're a great encouragement to the church when we see you growing up when you're young, yet making good decisions. Being good examples to other young people that are around you. But challenges come the older we get. And there's a point as children, we may start having some issues with our parents. And what those are is we kind of start thinking for ourselves. Maybe mom and dad don't know, uh, you know, quite everything, and we start maybe disobeying them some. Maybe we, set, maybe we tell a lie to try to get us out of trouble. We start doing some things and questioning some things and maybe not always doing what we should. But that's something that, we should, not, that should not happen as children. We need to listen to our parents and love them and obey them. In Ephesians 6 and verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. 
Your parents, when you're not ready to make all these decisions on your own and you don't have all this independence, they teach you. And when you do things wrong, they correct you. And that's not fun. But it's what you need to help you grow, to help you learn to make better decisions. If you're in this assembly, your parents brought you because they love you and they want, they want to train you up, to raise you up, knowing God, acknowledging Him in all your ways every day, that it may be well. Because they know if you'll learn to honor them, you'll learn to honor God. You learn to honor your parents, you'll learn to honor your teachers. You learn to honor your parents, you'll learn to honor other authority as you go through life. You'll learn to honor people that you work for. And all this is going to serve you well if you will learn these things. And while you're young, it's going to protect you. Because they want it to be well with you. Proverbs 10 and 1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. You know, as kids, you know, you remember the, the, some really good days when things were really good? Your parents are really happy with you. They're, they're proud of you. You've been doing right and, and things are great. And maybe they could kid around with you and they're fun and you know, have time and, and do some things with you. And all, all those things are great. But then there's those days that are not so good because we're not doing what we should. We're making bad decisions. We have disobeyed them. Maybe we've lied. We've done those things that, that we know is not right. And those are not happy days. Those don't make a father glad. And it makes your mom sad. So we need to do those things that are right. Because there's a reason for those things for you to grow. Proverbs 6 and verse 23. Uh, the previous verses talks about uh, us keeping our father's commands. Talks about not forsaking what our mom tells us. And teaches us to always remember in every situation the teachings of our parents. Because of what we've said. So it'll be well with us. Trying to protect you. Trying to get you to, to grow up knowing God. And then in verse 23. It says, for, these, for the commandment is a lamp and, a, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. If we'll remember those things. I remember today the things my mother says. When I went to college and, and then, you know, and there was temptations and I could hear my mother's you know, words ringing in my ear. And they were good words and it was good instruction. And it was good correction that I received when I was young so that that would take place. So the challenges are real. And then as we get older, there are more challenges. So now as we get older, I'm, talking, I'm still talking about children, but you know, you're getting older. Maybe you're getting a little more independent. You're in school. There's lots of times you're not with your parents. You have more independence. Maybe there's times when you're outside of the house with friends and, and doing other activities but you're not, but you're out of, out of reach of, of mom and dad's sight and their, their ears. And that brings challenges. There's influences outside of your family and the church. And that brings challenge. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. To your shame. Evil influences corrupt. Remember what corruption is? Decay to ruin. And that's what evil influences will, will do. It'll de decay us to ruin. We get too close to our friends, and our friends entice us to do things that are wrong. It can ruin our good habits. This thing, this cell phone can ruin you. It causes corruption. Corruption in your mind. Corruption in your heart. Don't let it. And don't be deceived. Your friends think, oh, you can do this. It'll be okay. Nobody's going to know. It's not going to hurt anything. Just once. Cell phone tells you the same thing. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Proverbs, the first chapter in verse 10. It says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole, like those who go down into the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our house with spool. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. That's what your friends will say. Come with us. This is going to be fun. Come in here with the cool kids. We're going to have a good time. Nobody's going to know. It's not going to hurt anything. Your parents aren't going to find out. It's not going to hurt you. Come with us. Verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Our instruction is, when sinners entice, do not consent. When they say, cast your lots, come with us. Do not walk in the way with them. And when that television and that cell phone and that uh, evil music and all those other things that come with you having opportunities to be away from mom and dad, don't make those poor decisions because it will corrupt you. Decay to ruin. We don't want to, it to ruin the, bad, the, the good habits that your mom and dad are trying to teach you because that's exactly what can happen. 1 Peter 4 verse 3 says, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. It's hard. It's hard making those decisions that you know you should make sometimes. Because they're going to think it's strange. They're going to make fun of you. Why don't you cuss like us? Why don't you go smoke this like us? Why don't you go look at these things on your phone like us? You're weird. 
they're going to think it's strange. And they're going to speak evil of you. And that's okay. That's okay. It's not fun, and it's not always easy. But it's okay. Because it'll get easier. And before long, they will expect it. They'll expect you to not join in and not do the right thing if we'll be steadfast, if we'll not be moved by what they're trying to convince us of. And we can be a light. Darkness hates the light. Light exposes sin. You're living a good life and doing the things that God uh, tells you to do exposes sin in them, and they don't like that. So they think it's strange, and they're going to speak evil of you. But that's okay. You keep doing those things that are good. Keep doing those things that are right and growing spiritually. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Things continue to change, don't they? We get older. Our bodies change. Our mind changes. The things that we think about change. Our emotions change. Boys get interested in girls. Girls get interested in boys. That's natural. Be careful. Sexual immorality is something that should not be a part of a Christian's life. We need to flee. Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were brought, bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Prepare for that time before it's there. Before your first date, you prepare and have the mindset and the strong enough will that you know you're going to do what is right. And you're not going to be tempted to commit sexual immorality. This ruins, this decays to ruin. Parents, protect your children from this. Children, don't, don't go here for sexual immorality. Parents, there are resources to help you deal with this. You know, David, David and, and Brent have both talked about these things and, give, and have provided resources, and, and they still have those if you have questions about these things to protect your children from these things. It's important. Certainly as we get older, go to college, maybe to a trade school, go to work, we move out of the house. Time continues. Again, we're, we're not under mom and dad's roof anymore. You know, I remember my, my college experience. It's, it's a good while back now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I move a couple of hours away and my mom's not going to know what I'm doing. There was a lot of opportunities to do bad things. But you know, I had some good influences in my life. I was dating a young lady that was a tremendous influence for me. This congregation 
was a tremendous influence on me. I had a great group of people, other students in Amarillo that I was going to, to college with, and we, we attended church at Carolina Street at that time that were a great influence on me. And even though that was a time that could have been very difficult, that I could have made a lot of bad decisions, and probably nobody would have known about it, possibly. It ended up being one of the greatest times in my life of spiritual growth. Because I took advantage of the people that were around me. They were, in, they were good influence on me. And I thank God for those people. Transition to adulthood. It's a challenge. A young man asked his mother, What should I do with my life? What do I need to be? What do I need to do to make a lot of money so, you know, so I can get a house and cars? And The mom said, Seek first the kingdom. Young man said, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about religious stuff. I'm talking about life and now and how I'm going to I'm gonna make it. How I'm going to be able to have all these things and do all these things. And what am I going to do to make a living? The mom said, all these things shall be added to you. We need to seek first the kingdom. As you make this transition to adulthood and you're no longer under the roof of your parents, it's a huge, it's a very important time. And we need to make wise decisions. And if we'll seek first the kingdom, things will be so much easier for us. In Mark, the 10th chapter, we remember Christ meets a, a young man on the road. The young man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ tells him, well, you need to keep the commandments. You know, honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal, among other things. The young man says, I've done all these things ever since I was a kid. What do I lack? Christ said, then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said unto him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. This caused the young man to be very sad because he had all those things. All those things that that young man was talking to his mother about and how he could get all those things. This young man had those things. But they were coming between him and God. And he wasn't seeking first the kingdom. And they didn't bring him joy, they brought him sorrow. And that's exactly what can happen in this very, very important time in our life. Philippians 3 and verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
This life is, is described as a race many times in the Scripture. We're told here not to look back, but to look forward. Paul still had a lot to do. He said, I'm not where I need to be and I need to continue to grow and get better. But I know this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I'm going to press on toward the goal. Just like a race. You don't turn around to see who's behind you. You don't turn around to see where you've been. You've got your, your eyes on the finish line and you go as hard as you can. You know, Paul could have just said, wow, you know, I've done some pretty cool things. I'm, you know, I'm, I can heal people that are sick, and I've start, you know, started these churches, and it's pretty good. I think I'll just sit back and see how things go. No, press on. Paul could have looked back and said, you know, I've done some horrible, horrible things. I've persecuted Christians. I've thrown them in jail for the cause of Christ. I'm the chief of all sinners, which he called himself. He could have quit. He could have decided he's been too bad. But he didn't. And that's what we need to do during this transition of adulthood. Take responsibility. Love the Lord. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Don't look back. Look forward and press on to the goal. Well, we get to that point where it's time to make a living for ourselves. You know, and that's important. We need to make a living. We're, we're, we're told in Scripture that if we, if we don't work, neither should we eat. It's important that we do that. But we need to work to live and not live to work so that we can have more money, so that we can have more things, and all those things become the one thing that I lack. You know, and that one thing can be different for you than it is for me. But we don't need to let that one thing keep us between us and God. Romans, the 12th chapter. Again, at this point in life, it, it, it's an important time that we are formed. And I've said this many, many times. I, I really think a lot about this scripture. We're going to be formed in one, one or two ways. Conformed or transformed. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, this is a time in life where, okay, we're at a mom and dad's house. We got a job. We're financially secure. We're buying our own things. But it can be a very difficult time. It's a time where I've seen many people leave the church. Because what happens is now I'm away from all these influences that I've had for a long, long time. And now I conform to the world. I leave the church. Maybe I've gone somewhere where there's not a church because of poor decisions that I've, that I've made because I've put some other things first and I've put myself in difficult situations. 
I get where I'm spending time with people that don't bring me closer to God, but away from God. And we conform to the world rather than be transformed. It's an important and a challenging time in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. The question is asked, When goods increase, what profit has the owners except to see them? Go back and read chapter 5 in Ecclesiastes. It talks about the vanity of riches and what it does do for you. It brings anxiety, sleeplessness, and pain. When we make bad decisions, those things disappear. At death, those things disappear. Do us no good any longer, even though we've spent a lifetime trying to accumulate them and thinking that's the most important thing. They cause sorrow, sickness, in anger when they become so important to us. Christ taught in Luke the 12th chapter. He was asked about uh, an inheritance. And he tells the man that someone's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. And then he tells the parable. The parable of the rich man. Things were going really, really great for that man financially, weren't they? Tremendous amount of crops. Things were going good. He said, boy, look what I've done. I'm going to build bigger barns, tear down my little ones and have some bigger ones to hold all my goods that I've got. But God said, fool, this night your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be which you have provided? It's a challenging time in life, isn't it? Trying to balance work, money, possessions, service to God, raising our families. It's a challenging time. The time to prepare for that is before you get there. Make decisions about how you're going to make a living before you get there and how you're going to get to a point so that you can make a living doing that, that all this doesn't draw you away from God. Time continues. We want to find a spouse. Huge step in life. A huge stage in life. A huge change in life. Proverbs 18 verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. I did. And for me, spiritually and every other way, it was a very good thing. Proverbs 19 and verse 14 says, Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know, girls don't become prudent just by a miracle. Prudent is wise. They become wise because they've listened to their parents, their parents have, have taught them, they've made good decisions. And we need to find a spouse like that. They can help us spiritually. 
Because we can make some bad decisions. When we're looking for someone, when we're finding that spouse, Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. When we're looking for a spouse, men, we need to be looking for a lady that will love us. That will submit to our authority as head of the house. As unto the Lord. Ladies, when you're looking for a husband, you need to be looking for someone that's going to love you as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. And it can be a wonderful thing. Verse 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's a wonderful and it's a beautiful thing when we choose wisely. But we can fall in love with the wrong person. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? When we get unequally yoked, okay, what that means is you're with someone that's not going to help you spiritually. And not only are they not going to help you spiritually, in time, they're going to draw you away from God. That's what God has always taught His people, and that's what happens, unfortunately, when we're unequally yoked. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 3, God told the Israelites, Nor shall you make marriages with them, with, with the foreign people. You shall not give your daughters to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. What did they do? Judges 3 and verse 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. And that's what happens when we're unequally yoked. We need to fall in love with somebody that's going to help us spiritually. Be prepared uh, when you're, if you're dating with someone not in the church to don't be unequally yoked. You teach them. And it's a wonderful thing when we, when, we, when we teach people and they become members of the church and great things happen and great families and certainly that can and does happen. And that's a wonderful thing. But don't be unequally yoked so that you're drawn away. We find that spouse. Comes parenthood. There's a change. There's a challenge. This congregation, this building is blessed with wonderful young families that are doing wonderful things. 
And we are so very blessed. And it's a focus of so many of you right now. And it's a blessing to see. Brother David gave us a, a lesson on, on parenting just a couple, a couple of weeks ago. A wonderful lesson, and I'm not going to spend time on this, other than, you know, know, you know, before you get there, it's a change and it's a challenge. Talk to your spouse before you get there. Make plans of what kind of parent that you want to be and how you're going to do the things that you need to do. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Always with the mind of teaching our kids, bringing them up, so that they will acknowledge the Lord in all their ways. And they can live fruitful and happy lives. Proverbs 17 and 6, Children's children are a crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. It's a wonderful thing to see kids grow up in the church and to see strong families. And it's not time for me to be a grandparent yet. But that looks like a pretty cool gig. We need to train children up when they're young so we can get to this point where we can enjoy these pleasures of a wonderful, godly family. Then comes the stage for the elderly. The golden years, some call it. You are so vital for the church. But those days can be difficult. Our physical strength starts going away. Our mind doesn't work in as sharp as what it once does and, and what we want it to be. It can be a challenge. But you are so important and your example is so important. David prayed in Psalm 71. Verse 17, O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Your teaching and your example is needed and continue to declare the works of God, to declare His strength to the generations to come. Titus 2, verse 2, says that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You are vital to the kingdom. You are vital to this congregation. And don't ever think otherwise. Your wisdom from yours, your experiences needs to be shared. We love you and we encourage you to continue to work. Do these things. We need you. Proverbs 16 and 31. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. Thank you for your example that you've set before us. We continue to watch you and learn from you. May God bless you through these years. The challenge of change. Life is full of change. And with those changes come challenges. We talked about how we're going to be tried by fire. 
And they're going to come in a lot of different times, in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different forms. But they're needed. And they're for a short time. But they grow our faith. Psalms 18 and 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David wrote this psalm as God had delivered him from his enemies, as he had delivered him from Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock. A sturdy place for our feet that doesn't move. Helps us be steadfast. Fortress. Strength. Shield. Protects us from the challenges that we have in life. From the fiery trials. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need that eternal perspective. We need that mindset for meeting challenges as we go through these different stages in life. That although these are difficult, it's short-lived, and I need to be steadfast. I need to continue to do what is right, and things are going to be okay. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. The heart is the mind, the center of thinking. Also controls our emotions and our will. It's our inner being. Our heart is where we deposit wisdom. Drives the things that we say, the things that we do, the decisions that we make. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. An eternal perspective. Let's deposit those things in our heart that's going to help us meet these challenges. In closing, Proverbs 3 verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. These changes are coming. These changes are challenging. But in all of them, acknowledge Him. Know Him. Love Him. Fear Him. And obey Him. And He will direct our paths. May God bless you this morning. There may be those in the audience that you have a need in your life that you would like the church to help you with. Maybe you have been taught the gospel and you'd like to, to obey that gospel this morning. You can come forward, you can be buried with Christ in baptism, and you can walk out of here knowing that you're a child of God and forgiven. If you've done that and you have another need in your life, we would ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.